Hello and welcome to the Broadcast News Wrap, your shorthand guide to the week's TV news stories featuring the commentators and experts you deserve alongside the Broadcast Editorial team. The UK news landscape is about to swell with new entrants, GB News and News UK busily scaling up their operations ahead of their launches later this year. This week, Newswrap is joined by Five News editor Kate Fitzsimons and media consultant and journalist Ben Fenton, alongside me, John Elms, to assess the state of play, including how incomers will tackle concerns over bias and impartiality, the way news outlets are combating viewer fatigue, and the need to entertain while delivering the facts. All that, and we'll be checking in with what our guests have had on their TV sets in our evergreen segment, What We've Been Watching. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Broadcast News Wrap. It is a pleasure to be joined today by a couple of news gurus. <laughs> and uh, with me on the podcast today is we have Kate Fitzsimons, editor at Five News, which is made by ITN. Kate has also previously served as a program editor and a producer at Sky. And I'm also joined by Ben Fenton, a journalist, author and media consultant and former chief media correspondent of the Financial Times. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you on. How are you all doing? Very well, thank you. Good, thank you. Fantastic. Now, before we get going, um, we should also be said, I think, Ben, that you've, in your media consultancy work, your, your paths have crossed with ITN. Is that true? I, I have, yes, done some work for ITN. I do some work for ITN. But that won't stop me being harsh if I feel it's necessary to be so. I'd expect nothing less. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, um, I mean, we've seen a flurry of... Um, interesting stories about new entrants to the news landscape um, really focused around the Andrew Neil chaired GB News and also News UK uh, TV or, or whatever that's going to be called. I'm not sure that's the final one, but I spoke with David Rhodes last week. And I think from two people who are well versed in the news world and, and who still work in the news world, I'd perhaps just get your get your viewpoint on on these new entrants and, and what they're going to bring you think to the news landscape maybe starting with you Kate. Yeah well I mean I think it's a really interesting um, decision to, and the timing in particular of it and, and, and also interesting that there were these two sort of uh, sort of groups working in parallel until they sort of announced what they were doing and particularly the discussion around you know, the, the, the sort of claims that they may be more uh, right-leaning. So I think um, it, there was obviously something in the air that, that was sort of picked up in, in terms of um, provision. And I think, you know, I, I mean, I work for an organization that provides news for um, the three main commercial broadcasters. We also provide news for um, many online outlets and, and, and kind of broadcasters beyond that. So for us, kind of, you know, a wide range of output is a good thing because that's how we kind of function and, and, and how we look at the world. So um, I think that's my initial thought. And, you know, I have to say, I think it's a, it's really interesting to see what kind of output as a, as a program maker, what kind of output they're actually going to be looking at. You know, it's clear already that there are different kind of levels of uh, scale of what they'll be delivering. So I think I'll be really curious to see what their content looks like and what it becomes, because there's quite a broad range that it could fit within. So I think it'll be fascinating to see what that actually comes out as program-wise. I mean, I think in a way they've set themselves a little bit of a challenge by talking about not doing breaking news, because actually we, we are in what has been over a number of years now, the busiest news period that I can remember as a journalist, the, the consistency and the scale and the level of the stories, both in kind of events around elections and, and, and also obviously the pandemic. So I think, 
you know, saying that you are not going to um, plug into some of that might be actually kind of not taking advantage of, of a sort of a, a great opportunity, um, which I think I'll be interested to see again. That's why I think one of the reasons why I'll be interested to see what they come out. And I, I do think that, you know, for me, television is about words and pictures. So a lot of the, the reading that I've done does seem to imply this is going to be more along the lines of, I'm not being dismissive, more like TV on the radio, uh, radio on the TV, sorry, where you've got much more about talking heads and things like that rather than necessarily around picture. So I'll be, as I say, that's another thing that I'll be keen to see if they actually move into filmmaking or if they're commissioning those kind of ways of telling stories, because if they're not breaking news, they'll, they may all well have space for that. So those kind of formats, you know, John McAndrew in particularly for GB News, you know, has a long tradition of working in television broadcasting. So you know, I, I would I would expect that that could be a potential, but it may be that they just stay with the straight kind of more straightforward talking head style of output. Mm. Ben, Ben, bringing you in on this, um, from what Kate said and, you know, what has also been written about, what I've written about tomorrow, I've got an interview with, we're recording this on the 18th of February, uh, going out on the 19th, and I've got an article about GB News in which I interviewed John McAndrew about the programme making, something that was... This, that's been reflected around the, you know, the rhetoric around GB news is that it might be, um, you know, uh, divisive right-leaning programming. Um, and, and John in his interview with me was quick to say that it wouldn't be shouty, hateful and divisive just on, on the idea of bias and, and bringing that to the, uh, the news landscape, Ben, what, what, what do you think the challenge that B, GB news has to kind of, ensure that all this noise around them is just noise? <laughs> well, I suppose the first thing they've got to do is, is to show that they will stay within the broadcasting code operated by Ofcom, which um, you know, will require them in broad terms to be impartial. Um, that applies much more to news broadcasters in general and rolling news services in particular at the time of a general election when you, know, you get your stopwatch out, as Kate will know better than I, um, and you really have to show impartiality in numbers. The rest of the time, it's much more a case of feel and the ability, if a channel is accused of showing an overall bias and it comes to an Ofcom adjudication, that they can then say, well, you know, set against that, we can sh play you this, where we showed, you know, a, you know, a balance of views. And that's the LBC model, I think, on, on radio, where you've got sort of Nigel Farage and you've also got James O'Brien, and, and you can balance that. Now, personally... I don't find that kind of broadcasting for myself very interesting because, you know, I won't tell you which side of the choir stall I might be on, but I don't particularly like being a choir member and being preached to. I don't find that interesting broadcasting. I want to hear people who have set out to give both sides of the story themselves with one voice, if you like. Than, than one voice saying one thing and one voice saying the other. I, I believe fundamentally that you achieve fairness in society by talking to each other about things and deciding which elements of each argument are to be preserved and ought to form a balance than you do by shouting at each other and saying you're wrong and I'm right. So I personally don't, I don't think I'm going to be much of a viewer of a station that does that. From my personal perspective, though, I think one of the things I'm really interested to see about the economics of GB News. Um, 
people talk about it being sort of British Fox TV. Let's try and have examine that a little bit. Fox television makes a fortune in the United States. One of the reasons why Rupert Murdoch has hung on to it for so long and it's, and it's got away with an awful lot of stuff that, that, that other people wouldn't have done. They get make a lot of money for two, uh, two forms. One from advertising because they get good ratings for what they are and they have an influential audience in many ways. And the other is that they get paid carriage fees by cable stations. Now, I would be very surprised if GB News earns a penny out of carriage fees because where's their audience? They, don't, they aren't bringing anything to cable that cable hasn't already got. They might even be charged money for it. So if you look at a, an excellent news operation like Sky, which I am a great admirer of Sky and people who've worked for it, John McAndrew, uh, John Riley, I think, you know, um, Christina Nicolotti Squire, some of the best journalists working in the UK. They produce fabulous television. Um, they get pretty good audiences, especially if you sort of reference it to, to the general Sky audience. And it loses uh, 20 million pounds a year. So given that, you know, that's part of Sky's own organisation, so they're obviously not going to charge it any money, I don't see that GB News has got an economic model. I, I may be wrong, you know, it may be that there's a massive appetite for this, that, that you know, people will want to advertise against this kind of programming. I'd be a bit surprised if that, I'd be more than a bit surprised if that turned out to be the case. So I think the economics will be really interesting. On a more principled level, if you like, I don't like the argument that this channel is necessary to provide balance against the bias of other channels. Now, I don't think John McAndrews made that argument, um, but I have seen it made on their behalf. And it certainly is, is the, the theme, you know, the mood music coming from, from the funders and the founders has been along those lines. I, I don't like that predicate because, as I say, I don't like the idea of having one side and the other side. Does Ben have a point about, you know, the, the, what, what the aim, what the ultimate goal for GB News? And let's, let's also bring in the idea of News UK TV as well, because they're the other the entrance to the market and they're, they're, they're going to be doing slightly different thing. I think their distribution is mainly online. Well, I mean, the, the business model of news is a kind of a mysterious thing. Um, and obviously I've, I've worked in both um, kind of strict public service broadcasters for ITN, but also for Sky. So I've, I've sort of seen the sort of both sides of it. Um, and I've always found it a somewhat bewildering uh, concept. So I think, you know, it, I don't have the, the sort of no doubt massive amounts of research and, and uh, in, detail that, that these organizations have. So they must assume that there is a core audience there that they can attract and they must think that they can make money from them through advertising because as you say, I don't think that there's any other way that that, that, that would function. Or there's a there's an almost evangelical feel to it, which is that they feel that they sort of owe it to the broadcasting landscape. But I mean, I'm not sure if those people really exist in terms of kind of you know granting us this uh, sort of variety of opinion. Um, I mean, I have to say, I agree. I feel like that that idea of kind of confrontation, learning through confrontation for a broadcaster is not something that feels particularly modern, if nothing mm -hmm. else. It feels quite an old fashioned way about going around things and particularly in a time when audiences are genuinely really in want of good information, solid information that they can 
rely on for their actual lives at the moment. Um, you, the idea that somehow that sort of confrontational divisive form would work. And as you said, John McAndrews talked about that not being what they're aiming at. So then if you're then staying in a model where it is discussion, it's what are you actually aiming for out of those discussions? So as I say, that I'm, I'm curious to see how that would unwind. And I'm, and I'm as, a, as a viewer, I'm not sure how long people will stay watching that kind of content. I mean, you know, there are various models of this on the BBC, ITV, across, across output, and they, they, they get audiences, but they don't get huge audiences. And as a new challenger, you've got that hill to climb already. So I'm not totally sure which is sort of how that will work out. Um, and I, I think it's a it's, I mean, it's a risky venture. It has a lot to, a lot that could go wrong for them. It's also worth pointing out that in the Fox News model, they have both news broadcasts, you know, sort of, if you like, breaking news uh, reporting, and then they have the comment section. And it's the comment section. It's the Tucker Carlson's and, uh, you know, as was the Bill O'Reilly's. You know, the, these, these are the people... Uh, Sean Hannity are, are the people for whom it has, from whom it has got its reputation for being a somewhat rabid uh, news outlet. So if GB News is saying, well, they're going to do the Sean Hannity and the Tucker Carlson bits, <laughs> but they're not going to do the news bits where actually Fox was pretty, it was, shall we say, more fair and balanced, to use its own slogan, um, then, you know, I'm not sure... That, that that model works somehow I, I don't know it, it doesn't it, it feels somewhat somewhat unbalanced in itself just as a model it, it's like you know newspapers serve up news and comments and features and sport and business etc cetera, etc cetera. there's a mixed diet when you pick up a newspaper in the old-fashioned way or when you log on to its website when you look at its homepage. it's not a very balanced diet to have just commentary you know john did say that the that GB News and and it was also said by News UK David Rhodes last week that both both kind of outlets would show the full gamut of news. It's not just going to be political debate. They're going to be covering you know entertainment, sport, um, and and what you would expect from a news coverage. And I think from GB News's standpoint, they 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 they're very keen on saying the fact that there's they're hiring 120 journalists around the country to. Yeah. To provide stories, feed in stories from from the the regions. I'd be massively excited if GB News provides a really good regional news service. You know, it's desperately needed in this country to have more reporting on what's going on in the regions and nations of the United Kingdom. Um, you know, for for reasons of unity as much as anything else. So yeah, that that would be great, and I'm sure Kate Kate shares that point of view. I mean, uh, although that's a huge commitment, doing regional news well, as we know, is, I mean, incredibly, and and the the, the level of commitment to do that thoroughly is a, a, a quite a, a you know I, I know that their sort of recruitment is quite a large one, but you know that's a lot of people that you are doing that. So again, it's it's how that how, how the the journalism how the journalists turn into that what they're doing into content. Mm. You know that's that's what's not clear in terms of the scale and ambition of that for me. Sure, sure, absolutely. I'm um, just changing tack to to you know to broaden this out about news, the state of news land the news landscape in in the UK, particularly when we've got two new entrants coming in. Uh, Kate, from your perspective and on on Channel Five, what, what What's, you know, the general attitude towards news outlets at the moment? We're in a very 
difficult time obviously it's a, an understatement but you know news outlets are getting uh, under the microscope even more because they're informing us about what's going on and often what's going on is not what people want to hear at the moment and what's it like being trying to navigate the the um, arguments and cause and opposition of bias and all that that kind of thing as a news outlet yeah I mean I think in increasingly over the last few years regulation which by broadcasters in the widest sense was sometimes seen as a little bit of a burden to carry um, has actually started to become a real asset um, you know the, the the sort of the the, the kind of the 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 fact that we work to an established level of rules, which are, um, you know, they are applied and they can seem to be kept to, is an incredibly value thing. And we saw how audiences valued that during the, the kind of the pandemic and ongoingly. But yes, I think pandemic fatigue and also people's increasingly uh, concerns over, say, the delivery of the vaccine and, and how that's going has shown there's still a real fracturing of opinion in the public. Um, you know, my program's on at 5 p.m. and 6.30, you know, I always say that my audience, my, my competition isn't other broadcasters, it's actually real life, you know, the kids coming home from school, you're putting the dinner on, you know, or you're getting up and going for a night shift, you know, that's what we're competing against. So we've always gone out of our way to try and make programs that pull people in, have a variety of content that engage, talk to people on their level. I know this is a lot of thing that a lot of editors will say, but it's something that we're really keen on on our program. So actually the, the issues around fatigue is probably slightly less for us because that's something we always, we're not necessarily fighting fatigue, but we're fighting the world. And so we always make a real effort to make our programs feel well-rounded. People often sustain the kind of lighter render at the end of the program, but I'm a big fan of saying when somebody's done something brilliant, let's cheer about that as well as everything else that's going on. Um, and I feel like that's increasingly um, becoming a more accepted way about thinking about news. It's not just a list of stories that people need to care about. And here you are. We are here to tell you about what's important in your world and make it an engaging process. Um, and then I think when it comes to that the increasing division around, say, for instance, vaccines, it's about being thorough. It's about being rigorous, making sure that what you put on air is tested and sourced and that you can stand it up against any measure um, because that's your best defense in any situation um, and that's all you can do you know we, we beyond that we have to kind of keep the trust with our audiences and hope that they stay with us whether or not we echo back to them what they hope to hear or indeed what's actually going on has has news outlets remit broaden to inform and also entertain a bit in this time I, I or is that just uh just sort of like a tv a tv journalist's anticipation of wanting to have tv that entertains as a newspaper reporter which i was for 30 years i was always i always admired television journalists because they had to live by the dictum of no pictures no story so that you you, you have, if you like, some form of entertainment in the broadest sense from having video. You know, that is an entertainment for the eyes. It may be bad news or it may be very amus you know, amusing news. Um, we only had words with the pictures provided by our photographer colleagues and so on. And, um, uh, and so, you know, the tone in which you, you write has always been a really important thing. And the mixture of that on a newspaper page was always really, really important, has always been really, really important. The Daily Telegraph, I worked there for 20 years, I was the chief reporter there. Um, it almost never appeared without what we called a basement story at the bottom of page one. I don't think they have them really anymore. Um, it was a light-hearted story. It was a funny thing. I remember writing one about some scientists who had um, calculated what the ideal speed for tomato ketchup was. 
um, which got more feedback than virtually any other story I think I ever wrote uh, in <laughs> out of 8,000 bylines. You know, so, um, you know, entertainment, entertainment in its broad sense has always got to be part of the news. You, you cannot expect people to sit there and listen to, you know, when the BBC started in the 1920s, it just used to have talks and you just sat there and listened to somebody drone on, no doubt, for ages. They weren't allowed to do news because the newspapers said, that's our job. We can't let the, this newfangled BBC start doing news. Does that sound familiar in any way? Um, nothing has changed, really, has it? Um, but, but no, entertainment, if you don't have entertainment, you don't have news, frankly, because people just won't, just won't listen. Mm. But, if I you mean, go back to ITN, um, the early days of ITN, when, you know, ITV, ITN really re sort of established what a news package looked like, reporters in front of the piece to camera, you know, it's about showing people things and being at the heart of the story that as you say that has an element of entertainment to it absolutely but just just to uh, you know bring back in these these new entrants um to many watching a debate program and we've got them in the daily politics and question time in in on on mainstream tv already people people like watching that as entertainment they might not agree with the views being said but they they watch it to do that so is there a, is there a somewhat a place for those debate shows as long as they're not people aren't spreading misinformation well it doesn't have to be slapstick does it i mean i think you you can you can do news in an entertaining way you can write about ketchup or whatever it might happen to be you, you don't have to sort of make it into a, a sort of um you know, a, a farcical show. It can be just an entertaining, you know, just entertaining. It doesn't have to be farcical. Mm. And I think that if you, I, I think that, for instance, Question Time on the BBC did itself no favours whatsoever, especially during Brexit debates and, um, and and the last election campaign. I think some of their choice of guests were, were frankly, uh, you know, unbalanced. Um, and, and they were looking for, and, and I'm sorry, I think this is a, this is a this is a fault of newspapers and television news but newspapers that's what newspapers have always done is try to shock people into into reading it and that's why television news is so important and you know so much better in many ways than news, newspaper news you know you can't I, I just think you you can't try to shock people in news programs if you're trying to also get them to accept and believe in the information that you're you're putting over, right? So it, it, I, I sound, I realize I sound rather old fashioned, but certain things are more serious. Certain things actually don't need to be uh, accompanied with bells and whistles. I think challenging isn't the same as adversarial necessarily, and uh, but that's very much in the presenter or the kind of the, the ringmaster or mistress of the of the program and the people that you have on. And that those are very serious choices to be made. and. I think for a long time, the sort of guest getting on, on some output possibly was a little bit kind of, you know, you fit into this box, you fit into this box. And actually, if you're going to focus on that kind of output, you need to take that entire process much more seriously. There needs to be a lot more work on it done, both in terms of background and checks to make sure that you don't have anybody who might start pushing out misinformation, but also in terms of 
what you are going to learn from that conversation. If you have two people who have slightly opposing views, where is the kind of joining together where information will be passed on to the viewer? Because that, as I say, at the moment, that is what viewers want. They want to know about the things that are really quite vital to their world. So if you if you constantly just have the kind of your one side and another, where, where is the fact? Um, and that becomes really difficult. And if that is, that, as I say, that's why I'm keen to see the sort of scheduling on this, uh, particularly obviously um, GB News, is it, it, it seems to be on air for much longer. How do you sustain that over a, a day of output? What, what does that schedule look like? I think that the, and the other thing is that, that these sorts of programs generally blur um, reporting and commentary. And, and I've always thought that blurring commentary and news reporting is a bad idea. Um, and I've never wanted to work for newspapers that did that. Um, and, you know, I'm a bit, bit, sort of, bit of a snob maybe in that regard, but, um, you know, sue me. Um, I, I think that the, a lot of the problems we face in the public sphere at the moment are down to the fact that people have, are unable to differentiate fact from opinion. And, um, you know, that's not a good place to be for any kind of political discourse. Um, that and the undermining of expertise, um, you know, and, and, and people saying we can't even tell what facts are anymore, you know, put us in a bad place. And it's, you know, journalists hold some responsibility for that, not just politicians. But I think if you take the, the you know, the general feel of broadcast news at the moment is, has been shaped by PR people like me, uh, and uh, and politicians refusing to debate each other, so they won't go on Kate's programmes that took against another politician anymore, like they did when I was younger, you know. And so, therefore, the journalist has to take the place of the opponent, and that to someone who doesn't have a lot of time to understand the sophisticated nature of news broadcasting, is putting them in the place of being a player. You know, uh, and, and, and that has also undermined the authority of, of, of really good factual news reporting. Uh, thank you very much for both of your input, Kate and Ben. Before we go, obviously, we wouldn't, it would be remiss of me not to uh, offer you the opportunity of, of Broadcast News Wrap's favourite section. Uh, which is, of course, uh, what we've been watching. Just to bring a bit of uh, levity towards her after at the end of some really, you know, quite intense conversation about the news landscape. So, so Kate, if you'd like to kick off, what what have you been watching this week? Um, a, a massive amount of escapist content. Um, One Division on Disney Plus, which has been an absolute kind of revelation in terms of what TV can do with creativity and ideas and really quite strange. Um, uh, kind of taking comics and making them feel like they're modern and, and challenging, but also on Channel 5, an absolutely fantastic series uh, inside the Natural History Museum, which has just been um, a delight of experts loving what they do and talking about it, beautifully filmed and both a fe feast for the eyes, but in very different ways. Fantastic. And Ben? Um, I have to confess that I've been watching Prime Suspects. <laughs> again <laughs> and uh, I'm wondering just exactly whether I used to look like that when I was a, a reporter on some of the stories that they feature in in prime suspects uh, so yes as you could as as your listeners will no doubt have have guessed by now I do spend a lot of time living in the past <laughs> I don't think there's anything a problem with that I think you know TV is 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 very keen on nostalgia and reboot uh, so I think you're probably in good company but 
once again, thank you so much, uh, Kate and Ben, for joining us today. It's been fantastic having your input. And um, thank you once again. Take care. My pleasure. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Broadcast News Wrap. It has been my pleasure to host journalist and media consultant Ben Fenton and Five News editor Kate Fitzsimons on the podcast. I'm John Elms, and this edition of Newswrap has been edited by Max Goldbart. Don't forget to check out past episodes of the Newswrap on Spotify and iTunes or via the website at www.broadcastnow.co.uk.